Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this chapter in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Lord, what is love? Um, help us to learn about that today, and also that love is the nature of your character. So thank you for again uh, for teaching us through this letter and uh, enlighten us to your word in your very own nature. Pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Lois, I don't know, did Mike tell you last week I referenced the 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 head coverings passage in First Corinthians. So I was like, ah, so see, it got used one time. And you weren't, it was last week. I told Mike to tell you. And if he didn't tell you, it's okay. He did not tell was It wasn't like that critical. He has a lot of other more important things. But there's a lot of those little verses. Were you here, Mike, for 8.30 or are you going to 11? I was here at 8.30, yeah. 8.30, so when he started talking about God doesn't throw it away, you know, he restores it. and goes. I was like, reminded me of what you said last week. I almost said, I'm like, just like Mike. And he would have been like, what? And I'm like, don't worry. Just like Mike. Don't throw it away, restore it. I am recording it, and the one from the one from last week is recorded but not posted yet, so we're good there. So as we start, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, you kind of see it, don't, don't read that too much, we're going to go over that in just a second, uh, but let's start off by reading <coughs> verses 1 through 4. So to review a little bit from last week, we're, we were talking about spiritual gifts two weeks ago, then taking those spiritual gifts, they come from God. Now we want to use them as part of the body of God to be the hands and feet of Christ, his blood flowing through us for the sake of others. And he says, and I will show you still a more excellent way. It's how he closes chapter 12, which leads into chapter 13. So let me read the first four verses as we get started here. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, excuse me, <clears throat> and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So before we talk about all the words that are up here, that you've, you've probably done the some of so this chapter is a very famous chapter. A lot of people know about it. A lot of people have kind of been taught about it. These four Greek words you kind of see up here. There's actually six or seven actually in the Greek language. We'll, we'll talk about all, what all those words mean in a second because we have one word in English for love. You probably again, if this is a review for you, I'm glad it's review. Um, but it's something that's kind of a popular topic amongst Christians, right? We have one word for love. I love pizza the same way I love my wife, the same way I love my children and my mom and my friends. Like, it doesn't make any sense that we have the same word for love that kind of goes with everything. Before we unpack kind of the beginning of this, we need to know uh, the way of love. What does he mean by love? Primarily in the, in the Greek, so there's kind of six or seven words in the Greek formally, but there are four primary in which they all stem from. You have eros, right? You can kind of see that. And there's the Greek spelling for you there, which kind of means desire, physical. Here's what's awesome. I, if you don't know me, I love words and language in particular. So when you kind of see the root for something in one and kind of see the result in it in our language, eros in the Greek to kind of give you an idea of what it meant, that's where we get our English word erotic. You see it right over there. So it's that physical kind of lustful love. When we kind of come up with the term making love, Right between a, a man and a woman, a husband and wife, preferably. Um, that's that's where we get the idea. That's an eros kind of love, right? A feeling of desire, a feeling of lust. Um, eros is also, gosh, the apo. Uh, man, I'm trying. My Greek mythology is a little messed up in my head with this. But then there's Cupid. Cupid's kind of the opposite part. If eros is the physical action, um, uh, 
Cupid was the desire is kind mm -hmm. of how they have it before, mm -hmm. but it's really actually one word. So eros is like a feeling of lust, um, desire, physical love. Storge, right? You see that over here? It's a familial kind of love, mm -hmm. like between a parent and child. So I don't, you do, I mean, not even that, like we hear Paul earlier, right? You say that one man has his mother-in-law. This is all the way back in, in, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 4. And he's like, take that man and excommunicate him from the church. How dare you accept something so so disgusting and so vile, right? Because we don't eros our storge, right? We don't eros our, our family, is kind of what he's saying. If you kind of take the two ideas and the words for love. This is um, in scripture. This comes up as the word philostorgis, right? To cherish and love one's own kindred. So you have the idea of that, that friend love, which is kind of the one that's over here, regard with affection. So it's to regard your family with affection. And I say that, um, some of you may or may not have people in your family that you storge and that you do not philo, meaning you don't really have any affection or cherish them, but you're family and blood related, so you love them anyway. You, you feel me there? Could be, could be brother, sister, aunt, uncle, cousin, right? I have an uncle that I definitely storge and don't filio because I don't like some of the things he's done, right? And that's, I don't have to tell you anything more about him, but I could tell you like, well, he's still my family, so there's some things I would do for him that I wouldn't do if I didn't love him at all or that he wasn't family. <coughs> and filio, right, we see this word, this one comes up a lot in scripture. Regard with affection and to cherish, right? Philadelphia, you get that place, it's the city of brotherly love. That's, that's when I look at Dylan, I go, Dylan, bro. <laughs> I'd do anything for you, bro. What do you need? You let me know. Because I feel you, bro. That, that I... <laughs> bro. Right? <laughs> but I do feel you. I, I, I cherish our friendship. Right? I have my friend Brian. I cherish our friendship. I would... I would if he broke his foot and needed help at work, I would fly out there and I would help him with work. Why? Because I cherish and love our friendship. I have other people that are more acquaintances, and I would say, I'll pray for you. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm not fly. I'm not, I'm not going to fly out there and, and help your family out on, on a moment's notice, but you have some people you do that for that aren't storge and definitely aren't eros, right? Over there, and then the last one is agape, right? And that's kind of, you see this word a lot. You see this on tattoos even today, which is kind of neat. That, you know, Google does what it can, but that's not quite the proper alpha, if you needed to know. Uh, but benevolence, divine love, a pure and willful sacrifice is what that word means. So you need to know that the two that appear most often in Scripture are these two. You get this one or two times. You actually don't really get the word eros in Scripture. Yeah, so yes and no. You don't get it in the New Testament. You get it in the Old Testament, which is what's called the Septuagint. It's when the Greeks said, okay, hey, this New Testament thing is great. We love Jesus. They talk a lot about this old Jewish stuff. We should translate the Old Testament too. So at in the time, the Greek scholars translate the Old Testament right around the time when the New Testament's being formed to create what's called the Septuagint. And that appears in the Septuagint, in the Old Testament for, you know, like uh, Solomon in the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. And he talks about the love that he has with his, you know, the beloved that's in there. That's Eros, right? They mention that. Um, they mention it as like temptation and sin in, in regards to commandments. So you'll see Eros kind of in that. But you won't see it in the New Testament. So I say all these because you have one, two, three. Uh, which of these are feelings and which of these in action? I'll give you a clue. The last one's in action. The first three are feelings. That's exactly right. So we kind of get this idea of how we define love. Because you see, once we start unpacking this chapter, this is the one that's read at weddings. And we had it read at our wedding, too. We had First John 
uh, chapter four also read at our wedding. And I say that uh, more as an idea of I wanted to witness to my family, which wasn't Christian, and her family that was Christian thinks it's great. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You'll never guess what word Paul uses in all of chapter 13 and what John uses in 1 John for the word love here. Which one do you think it is? Agape. Agape. Now, here's the thing. When you take, you can take this and we'll, we'll, we'll I don't want to say play with this. That's not really the right way to say it, but, but kind of get more in depth with it in regards to that one particular word, what Paul really means. Because we have three types of love, which are feelings, right? You got the song, I'm hooked on a feeling, right? <laughs> right? That I, same idea that we have this feeling of love. And Paul will talk about it later. Feelings are temporal. Your gifts are temporal. You're, they're not going to last forever. Only one thing will remain. And what's it going to be? It's agape. But is it, it's agape, and you, you have to consider it in two ways. Because agape, God is the personification of love. Love is an action. What action do you think that is? Sacrifice. Sacrifice that happened on the cross. Yes, yes absolutely. And, and it doesn't just happen there. You know, if you heard at 8.30, if you come to 11, you'll hear a little about, about it too, right? At that time of creation, the sacrifice even of himself for humanity at the, the very conception of humanity. You know, God didn't make humanity saying, man, I hope they don't choose the fall. He knew exactly what was going to happen, yet did it anyway, knowing what it would cost him in the end. He gives of himself even in the beginning, saying, rather than just saying, no, I'm good. Um, they're just going to be a hassle, like, like we would say. We see even in the action of creation, knowing that it'll lead to this action that's on the cross, that God is indeed that personification, that love and action of a pure and willful sacrifice, truly benevolent, truly divine. And Paul will talk about it again here, that we have this reflection of what we do here. A dim, I see dimly in a reflection, right? And that kind of gives you the idea. They didn't have perfect mirrors at that time. They were just kind of shined up brass. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's close, but it's still always kind of hazy. Even our actions here on earth, as we serve as the hands and feet of Christ, His blood flowing through us, using our gifts um, from the one who gave to Him for the sake and the mission of the one who came to save us for others, even our actions of love are a dim reflection of what, what God and what Christ truly did for us. Right? So you kind of have all that. If you ever want to read more on this, these four words come up in C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves. And you can kind of digest them a little bit more and get an idea. But whenever you see the word love in Scripture, always say, which one is it? Because you'll get to the section, oh gosh, um, I'm drawing a blank on the, on the verse number, so forgive me. But when Jesus comes back after his resurrection, he's talking with Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. No, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. That section Jesus saying, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter's answering back, Lord, you know that I filio you. Mm -hmm. And you're getting, oh, Jesus is asking him for, do you, do you have a pure and willful sacrifice, a divine love for me? And he's saying, I can't. I, I regard you with affection and cherish you, but, but I'm unable to. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jesus gives him the command, feed my lambs. Because he's saying, I'm giving you agape. I'm giving you purpose. I'm giving you the sacrifice. Because the best that we can hope to do, apart from God, is give affection and cherish one another. 
Well, what's interesting, the very last time Jesus yeah. asked that, he uses the word. He uses the word philo. Yep, exactly. He doesn't use agape. And then what does Peter do? He, Lord, you know he flips do. out, right? You know <laughs> yeah, yep. I just told you I do. I just told you I do again and again and again. But you see, Jesus comes down to his level on that last one, right? Uh, he needs some worry at his need. Yep, exactly. So, great section. You, you, can, you get a beautiful sermon out of that, too, if you ever want to go through it. But you need to know, when we're starting to talk about love, okay, um, there's a website, and it's called www.com. Something. Bible Hub. It's called BibleHub.com. If you ever go to BibleHub.com and you type in a verse, you can click Greek, and you won't be able to read, unless you can, read the Greek words, but it'll tell you which ones. It'll have kind of this spelling for you um, next to it, so you'll kind of see, oh, the word love here is that word agape. You may not understand, like, first person derivative, perfect tense, all that kind of stuff. You don't really need to, um, just for the sake of study. What you need to realize is, like, okay, this is what we're talking about right now. Not necessarily this. Any questions? What's the name of the website? Uh, Bible, Bi- Bible Hub. Like B I B L E H U B. Oh, I don't know. Are any of these other words uh, noteworthy? Huh? Or any of the Me other too. words? Of, uh, love, noteworthy? The Greek, the Greek words, yeah. Uh, not particularly. These are the ones that you can kind of put all classification into. But the, the some, oh golly, I can't think of the word off the top of my head. One of them will make a distinction between loving people as uh, affection and loving objects as affection. Oh, okay. I love my car, is, and I cherish my car. Yeah. You know, because I do. But I cherish my, my, my best bud differently. Uh-huh. You know, I, well, that's I, a useful I cherish. Mistake. Yeah, yeah. So they have those kind of things. I so it's funny. That. You know, they'll have up to seven words in Greek, and we have one. Yeah. So right. you kind of have to say, what do you mean? Right. And when you read something, and it's, you know, the well, translators are doing a great job with this, but when you read this, you go, oh, okay, have not love. Of course I have love. Right. Everyone, right. free love. Right. I got great love. And what love do I mean? I don't know. Which one am I feeling today? <laughs> it's like when you have love as an action, it makes it something more definite and something very clear mm-hmm. compared to uh, a feeling because a feeling's got a range between one and a thousand. Of right. how, how much do I cherish this person? Well, not as much as that person. <laughs> there are 10 and there are 25. Um, <laughs> but, you know, an agape is still one action, a, def- a definite thing that has to happen. And there isn't degrees. God doesn't love me more than he loves you. Right? It was all the same agape. So that's that. Any other questions? First Corinthians 1 through 3. So I already read this out loud for you. Recall what Paul's focus was through chapter 12, right? And I kind of said it's, the title of it is in the section. So you kind of see it was spiritual gifts, one body, many members. Uh, So he opens up talking about those gifts again because the Corinthians uh, are so focused on their gifts. Well, I want spiritual gifts. I have money. I have power. I can speak in tongues of men and angels. Uh, When you look at that, the tongue of men and angels, often when we say the the apostles spoke in tongues at the beginning of Acts, it's not necessarily gibberish. It's not the like that kind of thing that you'll see. Sorry, I shouldn't belittle it. Um, But what they mean is they're talking different languages. So speaking the tongues of men means I'm speaking Spanish to those who hear Spanish, and I'm speaking, um, you name it, Portuguese, Portuguese to those in Portu- you know, Portugal. I'm speaking um, from any of the, I think it's, is it 52 countries in Africa, right? Over 50 plus countries in Africa, 
right? <laughs> Everyone has their own dialect and their own slight variation of their own language. To every person, when I speak in the tongues of men, I'm speaking in their tongue to the way that they can understand it here and here, right? So if I have all the gifts to speak in different languages, in the tongues of men, right, in Greek, and, and then of angels, now does that mean the, the rolling on the floor and saying things? It does not. Oftentimes when they say in, uh, in, in biblical gifts over here, the tongue of angels, they say that was Hebrew, uh, what the Israelites would speak prior to any occupation. So when they would, if you got, um, again, I hate to reference the chosen all, you know, often, but if you've seen it, uh, the, you'll see sections where they go to, I can't remember what city that they're in, but you'll see the Pharisee like this, and they'll be speaking in a language, and, then the, and they're praying like this, and no matter what you do, you can't kind of stop them. What they're doing is they're praying in Hebrew, um, and it's not necessarily conversational, so to speak, but they'll say that's the tongue of angels, because that's the tongue of God's chosen people, so to speak. Um, it doesn't mean that there isn't such another gift, it's just that I'm not going to walk that road right now as we talk, but that's kind of how we understand it over here, right? So the tongues, even, even if we're talking about that gift, right? In things that only, for some reason, the Holy Spirit can say and that only people who have the Holy Spirit can understand. Um, if it's the tongue of men and of angels, even if I have all those gifts, but I don't have love, right? If I don't have agape, I'm just a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. There's a lot of noise out there. I tell people that often. There's a lot of noise out there trying to drown out the, the Word of God in your life. Um, and some of it may not be loud in volume, right? Just hop on your social media and scroll for one time, and you'll see a lot of noise. Yes, sir? As far as tongues of angels, yeah. Scripture does deal with that mm -hmm. in several ways. Sure, yeah. One, the fact that when angels come down and speak to people, they speak the language the people are already speaking. Yes. So if there is a special language for angels, mm -hmm. which... Paul does reference in another book when mm -hmm. he speaks about the intercession of the Holy Spirit to God. Yes, yes. The language that only they speak mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that we can't elevate ourselves to because it's deeper than words. Absolutely. Agreed. So Agreed speaking wholeheartedly. Speaking in tongues and angels is just speaking our language yes. to communicate to them because they know and can understand that. Mm -hmm. Anything uh, else is just gibberish. We had... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, there was a cool scene. Again, I'm going to reference Chosen one more time. I'll try not to do it again. But it was on <coughs> Christmas Eve. We did an 11 o'clock service where we kind of showed the. It was actually not The Chosen. It was before The Chosen existed, but the same company that made it. Uh, the shepherds in the field that, that see the angels, and the angels speak to them. The angels don't speak. It's just a light, and you see people understanding. And I'm like, that's cool, because, again... Speaking the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, it's in a way that every person in that room would understand. Because imagine in, um, in Acts, you know, I'll get to you in a second, when the tongues of fire come upon them and they're speaking, is everyone there speaking a different language? Or is it they're all speaking something and everyone hears it in their language? Right? Well, in Acts, everyone understood what was said. Everyone understood so what was said. It, it's not specific to that. Exactly, yes. It's not like there's a toddler in the front of the room gibbering on and you're supposed to oh yeah uh-huh sure. exactly <laughs> yes right yeah, it yeah. also makes you or makes me think of um, <coughs> i don't remember where it's at but they talk about the groans of the holy spirit i mean it, it's not something that we mm -hmm. equate with words but it is something that is still understood within the trinity sure oh yeah so god god you know our prayers rise up like incense to god and he sighs mm -hmm. it's like we somehow understand what that means you know uh Things troubled the spirit of God greatly, like in the way that they were, that way that people were acting. Again, it's 
it's not necessarily in words, but nonverbal communication happens between us all the time, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Right? If when next time Dylan says something, I go. You get the idea, and I didn't have to say anything, uh, so to speak. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if I, even if I have whatever those are, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and clanging symbol. There's a lot of noise out there, and it's just more things um, that aren't useful. There's, there's a phrase that sometimes when meetings get out of hand, that isn't a kind thing to say, but I can't tell you I've never said it, and it's. Can we only say things that are helpful? <laughs> and if we could do that, we wouldn't need a meeting. Yeah, or, or, or the other thing, the opposite end of that is you look at somebody directly and say, please stop saying things that aren't helpful. Right? Not, not that you do that, Mike. I just was looking I, I just was looking that way. I was looking in between you guys, and then you looked at me and I looked at you. But like don't say stop saying things that aren't helpful. Why? Because it's just noise. And in a world where there's already too much noise, Paul says, if you don't have love, you're just more noise. Prophetic powers and all the mysteries of knowledge and faith, right? Faith in what? Faith in their knowledge, right? You can kind of see I, I, I took that because he says, well, what do you mean if you have faith to move mountains? Jesus said if I had faith to move mountains, I could do that. But faith in what is the question, right? And what do they, in the people of Corinth here, what do they have faith in? themselves, their knowledge, their gifts, their ability to philosophy and have eloquent words, as Paul said earlier in the letter. You see how everything from the letter is just kind of, it keeps cascading onto one another. Once you know these people, you know what Paul's talking about. When they have faith in their knowledge, the difference between knowing and believing, I put that in there. There's, uh, what do they say? Demons know who Jesus is, but choose not to believe. Right? Do you have that, that concept? We have scholars today that know who Jesus is and still don't believe. Right. Um, it's like head knowledge and not our knowledge. Exactly. There's a difference between knowing and believing. So I have faith in my knowledge of what I know, but refuse to believe. That's what he's kind of referencing over there. But even if I can, I can prophesy accurately, yeah, you, you, you guess all the right numbers at the racetrack, however you want to say it. You know, um, but I can have great prophecy, eloquent words. I can know all mysteries and all knowledge, but guess what? If I don't have agape, mm -hmm. it's still useless. Sounds I am like nothing. Sounds like you're talking about the Gnostics who have the knowledge and aren't willing to share it. Mm -hmm. it well, secret knowledge. I could have all that stuff. But if, ever, ever but if you don't have love. Yeah. Which, remember, agape is, is personified in, in, in Christ, right, in his act on the cross, but also the acts in which I do for you, right? If I had all those mysteries and knowledge, what do you think I'd do? I tell you, why? I want you to be saved. Why? Because that's what was done for me. I'm working from a love and not for a love. Um, give away all that I have. Give away my body to be, be burned. When I was uh, just, I don't know, researching, I guess I would say, right? I read this phrase, a martyr doesn't give their body away. It's taken. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, like that's, that, that verse all of a sudden made sense for me. You know, give away my body, or give away all I have. It's just like, oh, you know, take everything. Oh, I'm going, uh, just burn me alive because of, of X, Y, or Z. It's like, no, I'm, a martyr's body's taken away. It's like, no, because I refuse, just like the apostles we talked about before, because I refuse to, to, to say or to give up or um, the, the way that Pliny the Younger would try people. He, he'd say, um, I need you to renounce your faith and pray to this God. Those who would, I knew weren't true Christians because the true Christians wouldn't, and I would take them to be executed. Um, it's, it, you, don't get, you don't go there and you go, sacrifice me. It's like, no, it's something taken away because there's also the idea of that agape, again, that you have incredible value.
right? It's again, I'm going to, wow, I'm quoting all sorts of people today. C.S. <laughs> Lewis again um, is the one that says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but, as your, but of yourself less. There we go. Did I say that right? Yes, not thinking less of yourself, but your, yourself thinking of yourself. So I don't have to think of myself less, less often because I'm, I'm, I'm saved by Christ. This is awesome. So I can give of myself freely for your sake, but never decrease the value of who you are because of who died for you and what God was willing to give up for your sake. He could have gone to the cross and said, I'm here to save everybody, but Chris, Christopher Simmons, he'll be born in 1986. That guy? Nope. But everybody else is good. We don't have, thank God, I don't, I don't see that anywhere in here. You know, if there's a scroll that comes up somewhere, I'm in trouble. But, um, but even if I give away all of it, I have to be burned. But guess what? If I have not love, if I don't have agape, if I don't have not just the love that stems from my action because of Christ, but the love of Christ in action for me, I have nothing. Right? And it brings you back to what are the purpose of gifts? Because he's going to get, man, sorry, just time's flying. When we get to uh, this idea of the purpose of gifts and what Paul's refuting here, right? He uses love for all these ver- verses. The purpose of gifts is for the sake of agape, right? It's being the body of Christ, which we heard before. So we can do the work of Christ, which is building up believers for the sake of the gospel to go out and tell others, right? Discipling all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching the, com- uh, obey all I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age, right? We have this God-given purpose. Therefore, we function as a body of Christ, and you're given special gifts to do that. But even if you have special gifts and you're really good at, at whatever it is that you do, but you have not love, you'll see these gifts fade away and all your war was empty noise. And I, I, that's, that's, that's the law part of that, right? I don't mean to like, make anybody deeply sad, right? But that's the law part of it. And that's what Paul's saying. Um, and he'll continue on with that in just a second. Any questions on any of that? Do I have anything else to say? <laughs> no, I don't. All right, let's move on. Can someone read four through seven for me? Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, mm-hmm. always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will well, cease. You can pa- pause it okay. right there. I good. didn't know Sorry. where you wanted I was, to I was, stop. I was, check, I was checking my notes as you okay. were going. Right? <laughs> so you kind of get that four through seven. This is the one you hear at all the weddings, right? Yep. And it's good to have that example. I'm not saying don't have – we had four scripture readings at our wedding. Why? Because we love the Bible. Yeah. We love it. And this happened to be one of them. So did First John 4, to give an identity to what love is. And that's good. But you kind of see this. I, I took this straight out of, this might have been the Lutheran Study Bible over here. Poetically balanced between negative and positive statements. There are 15 assertions that describe the nature of love in Christ. Two positive, eight negative, and the last one adds positive contrast and four positive statements. Right? So we get this. And this is what I love. So when you now know what word love is being used here, and that it's agape, we often mistake this for adjectives, right, and not verbs. And I tell you that, especially those first two. What is, what is love, right? Baby, don't hurt me. No, it's not that. <laughs> love, what is love? He says love is patient and love is kind. 
So when you get that idea, uh, okay, yeah, I'm good there. Look at the words again. How do you see action here? So love is patient. I talk about this all the time when I do premarital counseling because we go over this verse. Patience is not idle. Ask any teacher you've ever met in your life. Is patience something idle? Do you just sit there and say, well, I better be patient. It's never something that's passive. Patience is something very active. What is it like when you have to be patient? Aren't you holding something back? Right? You're holding back. Maybe it's your anger. It's, uh, maybe it's your justice. Maybe it's your wrath. Maybe you're holding back um, the immediate correction you want to have to that behavior. Patience is, in my opinion, much more active than even the action you're considering. It takes a lot more effort to hold something back than to let it out, does it not? So if agape is patience, the act of love on the cross for us is patience. From what? What does it hold back? It holds back our deserved wrath of God. Right? It, it holds back the, the justice that we deserve in, in our punishment. It's a lot harder than just letting it go. So you get that idea of agape is patience. It's holding something back. Uh, love is kind, right? Kind is indeed an action, is it not? It's a lot easier to, to not be kind. Does that make sense? We, this is a, I don't know where I'll go with the story, but I don't know why it's in my mind, but it is. We were at Burger King on Friday, not Friday, it must have been Thursday. Because I was hungry, and the kids were hungry, and I wanted to go to Applebee's, and they wanted to go to Burger King, so naturally we compromised and went to Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they were just having a bad time there. They were, they were un, you know, as they told me, understaffed and overwhelmed. But one lady almost seemed like she was living in it, and she enjoyed it. Like she wanted something to complain about. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and wanted to have it. And I, I, and I had this moment where she took me 25 minutes to get our food. And I'm mm. like, okay. And, well, and it came to the point where I said, look, I, I, I hate to be a pest, but I, I either need a refund because I, I have to go. Oh, it was Wednesday for sure because I had to be here. Uh-huh. Um, um, I'm like, I need a refund because I have to go. Or I need my food right now. I'm not trying to be a pest, but I've got to get to work. And, and she, you know, her, then her manager came out, and she let her know how terrible I was and how terrible everyone else in the drive-thru, and she can't believe this, these words. Can you believe what this person said to me in the drive-thru, even though I told them this and that? I'm like, I want so much better for you. Yeah. And I, I have this reflection in that moment of, like, wow. Like, again, just kind of studying this, he'll talk about that dim mirror later. This is a dim mirror of just, I, I feel the heart of God when God wants so much better for us. And it's like, I've never looked at somebody like, I wish this wasn't the way you wanted to give into it. I wish this wasn't the way you were trying to find enjoyment from this, to draw from this, to create purpose from this. I want so much more for you because this is not that big a deal. It's okay to be busy. And, and it's like, hey, sorry we're busy, but I'm, I'm working as hard as I can. No, I'll get to it where I can. But it's a, lot easy, it's a lot harder to be kind in those moments and to draw on like, hey, I may be busy and overwhelmed, but I can still mm-hmm. be kind. Compared to, I'm going to draw on the excuses for evil and to be vile in that time. It's a lot easier to do that, a lot harder to be kind. But agape is a sacrifice, a willing sacrifice on our behalf. And I will sacrifice my deserved 
feeling of being wicked and vile and embracing the tension and evil of the situation in order to be kind to you, even though um, I deserve to be mad. I will sacrifice that, that anger for your sake. Does that make sense? And do you not get that picture of God in that kind of moment? And I'm not saying I don't go this way. I certainly have. I've embraced the anger and the vileness and, and felt like I deserve to be mad. And how, how good does that make you feel in the end? Like crap. Like crap, exactly, yes. So how did you resolve this Burger King episode? Uh, the manager came out and got... The funny part was I was getting food for my wife. That's what it was. And made, my, and made the chicken sandwich and handed it to me. That was it. Wow. Huh. Yep. Yeah. And it was just in that moment. Did you say all that to... No, this, okay. this is all going on in my mind and in my heart. All I said is I wasn't trying to be a pest, and I'm sorry yeah. that you're overwhelmed, but okay. I do either need a refund or I have to go oh, right I've now. I've seen that before. The yeah. same thing. Oh, not yeah. the same exactly. No. But, you know, I, but I, okay. I say that because it's not the only time I've ever seen that in the sake of humanity, like just kind of in the picture of humanity. You don't need a lot to tell you that the world's broken. Right. I tell people, uh, you know, I, I was mentoring a younger pastor, and he showed me a sermon. I'm like, hey, you know, you, you got to make sure you preach the law because people need to know why they need to be saved, but you don't need to do it for so long because everybody experiences it every day on how they don't measure up and how the world is broken. It's right? very clear. It's very, yeah, that part's clear. You need to say it, and you need to have a point with it, but you don't, it doesn't need to be 80% of your sermon. <laughs> it's, it's kind of where I said, just, just look out, just wake up in the morning. My body hurts. <laughs> the world is broken, <laughs> right? I didn't even do anything yet. I just woke up, and I'm in pain. <laughs> Right? Agape is both an action and personification of Jesus. What was it like? Oh, this is, uh, again, this may seem a juvenile in the sense of like, a, like an eighth grade Bible study kind of thing, but one thing you can kind of do in this section to get the idea of the personification of love and what love is, is you can replace the word God in, in this section. Put God in there instead of the word love. Oh, you know, you see God is patient, God is kind, God does not envy or boast, God is not arrogant or rude. God does not insist on its own way, uh, his own way. God is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. God bears all things, believes all things. God hopes all things, and God endures all things. Is that not, indeed not true? Right? So it, it's just that reminder. Again, it's something that maybe you've done in middle school Bible study class, right? It's one of those things. It's like, isn't God so good? But take that a level deeper, Right? Agape is a, is a personification of God and love in action, right? It's like you get that sense right there. Move on, we've got two more sections. Okay. Can we talk about that? Maybe it won't. We'll see. Okay, can someone read uh, 8 through 12 for me, please? Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes and the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Thank you. Does anyone here have any gifts that have ever faded away? I, I tell everybody when I was in high school, 
I could run a mile in five minutes. When I was in eighth grade, I could run it in about 450. Because I just had a group of guys that we could do it. It takes me now twice as long <laughs> and hurts five times more. Right. And I'm messed up for the rest of the day if I try and run a mile just in 10 minutes yeah. or under. Right. My gift has faded away. And I know that's an athletic ability, right? And you can train that up, blah, 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 blah. But I'll tell you what, I had a gift for running that is no longer there. <laughs> right? I, I, I <laughs> you, you laugh, but it's because it's you, you're looking back on your life right now. And you're saying, man, I have had gifts that have faded away. You can kind of see it. There are other gifts I have that are far greater now. Um, you know, my you know, faith, uh, knowledge. I know Greek now. I didn't know Greek when I was in high school. I could just run fast. Um, but you get the idea. You don't need a lot of proof to show you that, that the gifts that we have will fade away. My, my grandpa was sharp as a tack. He was just such a witty, smart guy. He was awesome at puzzles. We would do jigsaw puzzles. We'd play um, puzzle video games together like Dr. Mario, and he, you just couldn't beat him. He was just so good at kind of just seeing something, getting a layout of it, and, and I, he could have done jigsaw puzzles competitively. He was so fast at them. And in his last days, you know, bound to a chair. Um, oh, card games. Oh, so good at card games. He was the guy that you'd be playing Uno with, and you're like, I got a card. I only got one card. Uno, you know, and he's got six cards. He's like, oh, man. And then it's wild card, wild card, wild card, draw two, um, and then play his card, and then he's done. And you're like, how did you do that? Right? It was that kind of stuff all the time. But during his last days when dementia kind of took over, um, you know, he, he couldn't have told you what numbers were on a card um, as, as he sat there. You know, he, he would call... He, he would call me Chris, but he would also call my son Caleb Chris, who was an, a baby. He would hold my infant son, you know, in kind of his last days, and call him Chris and look at me and call me Chris and not realize that we were two different people because oh. uh, he was reliving wow. some of those memories. And, kind of, and there was just, he couldn't even hold cards at the end. Um, he, all gifts fade away, you know. Even something as silly as that, as running a five-minute mile or doing a puzzle, you can see just how time takes it all away. And Paul says, all these gifts are temporal, and if they become what we worship, we too will pass away. Right? That's why he's, he, he's, his heart is so big on this, and why he says it in such a blatant way. Because if those gifts are something that leads to Christ, even in our last days when I can't hold cards anymore, even in those last days when I don't know how to do a puzzle or I can't run a five-minute mile anymore, um, my gifts were there to lead others to Christ. Right? To be part of his body. There's a time when my part of the body says, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, don't worry, i got to back up in place. Um, come into my kingdom, enter into my house. Right? And that's when he's talking about the idea of the partial will pass away when the perfect comes. Is there a me- will I ever run a five-minute mile in heaven? I don't know. I, I probably won't care how fast I'm running in heaven. Uh, but it, there, there are times where I consider my grandfather, right? And I, I don't think I'll see him in heaven the way I saw him at the end. Um, I think I'll see him in heaven as that, that complete man that I once knew and grew up with. He lived with us my whole life. He and I shared a bedroom my, my whole life, right? We shared bunk beds, so there, there's plenty of stories there. Um, but I have a feeling I'll, he'll see me and know who I am. And when he sees my grandson in heaven, or his grandson, his great-grandson, sorry, but he sees my son, Caleb, in heaven, he'll know that's Caleb and not me. You know, I have those pictures of what completeness will be. Because when, we, when Jesus says, I come and I bring uh, I bring you peace, not as the world knows peace, but as I know peace, right? That word shalom that he's talking about means completeness with God, not a sense of quiet, not a sense of no fighting. It's being complete with God again. Because right now, even with the agape we have now, we're in this world that's still broken. We're in this time where, uh, where things are not complete. We're seeing in a mere dimly, right, as Paul puts it. And you can see it over here, right? Again, I gave, gave you some more Greek teleos. 
over here. And what it means is a completeness in part, fully grown, matured, completeness in Christian character. Um, man, I wish I remember where this quote was from. Let me read this out loud. The words of Scripture and Jesus are true and life-giving, but while we have the knowledge that it is liberating and life-giving, it's still only partial. Our darkened minds find it difficult to comprehend God's truth. And his word still only provides glimpses of what will be fully revealed in eternity when we will see God face to face. Probably. It's him. I mean, between my reading right now, what am I reading? I'm reading the New Lutheran Catechism, C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, and I, I read Timothy Keller, um, his book I'm preaching. So it's one of those three guys, probably. But um, in, in the spirit of all that, it's exactly what you said before, right? Uh, with, with the tongues of angels and how people understand it and how they have a tongue that's elevated in which they speak to God in which we couldn't comprehend. It's like our mind, we still have slightly darkened minds, right? And it's right. not that God darkened them. We're just, again, still in this broken world. When you fully understand every concept of God, please come and teach me so I can share it with other people. You know, there are mysteries in which we don't understand or comprehend. And that's, that's okay because we know in part. And if you, you have faith, that also means you've had doubts. I tell people that often. Just because you have faith never, doesn't mean you've never had doubts. What it means is you've had faith so you can have doubts. And you could work through those and walk with God. Right? There's just those kind of mo brief moments of panic. God, why is this happening? God, Lord, what is this? Um, if this could possibly be, how can you possibly be true? How could you possibly be sovereign? Any of those kind of doubts. If you have faith, you have doubts. And Paul's saying you still have doubts because we still see in this mirror dimly. Um, it's still a pale reflection. It's still clouded. Mm -hmm. We're still understanding impartial. So that's why that, that completeness of maturity, I like that verse. And we, we use that often like, humph, you know, when, well, you, you need to stop. Uh, here's an example. You need to stop playing video games. It's time to leave behind your childish ways and become a man because that's what it says in the Bible. It's like, okay, like, I get where you want to go because you want the best for your kids and you want them to mature, but don't take God's words and take that and say, like, you should stop. Um, you should stop collecting GI Joes. You know, it's like you know, it's it's like telling your thirty-year-old adult man, shouldn't you stop collecting GI Joes? That's kid stuff. It's like, okay, it's funny. Oh, it's an investment. Those are worth. Don't don't take don't take verses out of context and misuse them. Right? What it's talking about is just the the way that we can worship gifts, and you do as a child, right? I cherish that I could run uh, a five-minute mile or less. And my friend Zorn, who run faster, he could run it in 4.15. When he was in high school, he'd run cross-country. He'd sprint the whole first mile and do it in four minutes and 15 seconds and then run the next two miles in about eight minutes because he was dying. <laughs> you know, that's just the way that he did it. And he always ended up in the top ten. Couldn't get the first place. And coaches tried to tell him, it's like, it's because you sprint the whole first mile and get it in, four, you know, oh, just, just over four minutes. Um, but then you, you give me two eight-minute miles after that when the guys yeah, that all run three six-minute miles are beating you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like, okay, okay, yeah. true. but Because um, we worship those gifts. But as you get older, I was talking to my friend Brian, because just, just kind of where my heart is in some of these things, you know, like when you try and relive some nostalgia <clears throat> and things that you're like, hey, you know, I used to really love this as a kid and I want to either share it with you or I want to experience again. I want to... I want a home run in pizza. I want a, gosh, I had a space burger the other day because someone told me I had to try it. Oh, yeah. That was mm. gross. Sorry. 
I bet one day. But that special Pocatello deal. <laughs> it was very special. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like when you share that, have that sausage cake, you're like, wow, it's so good. And then when you have it again as an adult, you go, <laughs> that really didn't live up to what I wanted it to be. Uh, and sounds like sounds uh, like watching Miami Vice reruns. Okay, yes, yes, or that mo- or movies like The Page Master when I was a kid. Such a great movie. You watch yeah. it now, I'm like, this is garbage. Um, <laughs> and I say all that because br- bringing it back to this is I want to have the same fulfillment I had when I was immature, when I was a child, when those are the things that gave me fulfillment. And I I, I say this often as Christians, the further that you develop in your relationship with Christ, the less you're going to find fulfillment in these things and in this world. And it's sad because it's like, I just want the joy that I had before. Find that joy here and, and you're, you'll never be disappointed, right? Because these things will fade away and even what they could satisfy in you will fade away. But there's one thing that remains and that's that agape love of Christ. And we are, we're late. Here's the last verse. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Summary of Christian virtues. I'm going to give you just something cool here. Why is love the greatest? Love is the one that never fades away. Because faith, let me read this out loud to you. Uh, Yeah. Faith and hope are by nature imperfect because they mature into knowledge when the thing believed in or hoped for is reached. What do we have faith in? God. What do we hope for? God. What happens when that is reached? Does love go away? No, but faith and hope does, yeah. right? Because I've achieved what I have faith and hope, and, and hope for. It's become knowledge. There's my Savior. We've met face to face. Like, I'm here. I no longer have to have those other two because love is present there for me. And that's a very, very, very quick thing because you don't want to say, hold on, what do you mean faith and hope are useless? I'm like, I never said that. They're, it's, it's different when you're there face to face. That's it. Let's pray and then um, we'll move into the next part. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your love, your agape love, that willing, powerful, and divine sacrifice for us. The only way, Lord, we could ever walk side by side uh, with you again. It was at a cost that you endured for our sake. And we thank you, Lord, for holding back the wrath that we deserve, the justice and the punishment that we so deserve, not just for the original sin that we have in the fall of Adam, but, Lord, uh, in our own sins, in our day-to-day life. Um, you still hold back your wrath because of account of the agape love, the act on the cross, and what you did for us. So, Lord, when we see that word love, help us to know what it means and help us to know how to love one another as you've loved us. For this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. Amen.